We are back again for another daily serving of the world's best cycling podcast. And we are coming to you from the Tour Down Under. And if you haven't tuned in for a few days, first question is, where the hell have you been? We're again recording from the lobby of the Hilton Hotel here in Adelaide. And as this terrific festival, this wonderful festival, and as its final weekend, there's still so much happening in the cycling capital of the world, Adelaide. The Tour Village in Victoria Square is awash with entertainment and everything supporters of the two-wheel sport would ever need. And apart from the tour itself, there are so many side events for fans and uh, lovers of cycling to enjoy. Criteriums, time trials up uh, Wollonga Hill for the elite and for the not-so-elite, there's even a race against the clock being held in a multi-storey car park later tonight. And today, the inaugural Adelaide Gravel event was held in the McLaren Vale wine region where our very own Matilda Reynolds competed. Hello to you, Tills. Hello, hello, Paint hello. The picture. What a day. Left to the accommodation at 6am and it's now 5.15pm and I only just got out of my kit. I went, we, we went to the wine region, we did the gravel event, it was fantastic. It was so hard as always. It's just always hard. Gravel's hard, no matter... Whether you're going slow or going fast, it's hard. And but it was a fantastic event. The organisers would have been thrilled. I was in um, actually uh, Tiff Cromwell's and Valti Brottas's uh, group, um, and yeah, it was just a fantastic event. The Savello rode like a dream, and um, uh, then I raced back there. I actually rode back with the winner, Brody Chapman, and uh, I had to do a radio interview. And now I am here. So pillar to post today, they're getting their worth out of me, that's for sure. And we're going to be hearing from Brody, the winner of the gravel event, later on in today's episode. Hollywood, I mentioned everything that's good about the Tour Down Under, and it is good. It's the best week on the Australian cycling calendar. What brings you back every every year? Have we finished talking about this hippie stuff yet? No, come on, talk about the the TDU. The TDU encapsulates everything. Yes, well, yeah, I love it because I think it's about my 14th or 15th year here and it's just, a, for flogs like me, it's just a great week of showboating around, riding around, riding on beautiful roads, meeting people from all around the country, uh, lots of pop-ups, lots of, lots of activations and it's just a lot of fun and you meet a lot of great people and yeah, I, I love it, I come every year and it's a lot of fun. Can I just back that up? It, it definitely is schoolies without the alcohol. Like I, I when I started that gravel event today, I was actually a bit cooked because it's just like you're seeing so many good people, so many people past and present, and new people that you know. Industry are here. It's just it's just such a good week, and everyone's in a good vibe. And yeah, it was a fantastic. But Tills, it's not just about uh, people like yourself at elite level. People like Hollywood, who does, who does, and right. So this is not, look, who's not look elite. What, what, <laughs> now, what, what I'm saying what is, what an insult. What I'm, no, I'm, I'm not being insulting. What I'm saying is, the tour down under is for everybody. Yes. It's for weekend warriors like myself. It's for families. There are lots of kids here. There are people here who don't ride bikes and are enjoying the festivities, and that's what the Tour Down Under is all about. Yes. Okay. Chat. Oh my gosh, you insult our listeners. Speaking well, of listeners, 
shout out to Anthony, came up to me just as I was racing in here. I was like, mate, i got to go. I don't know who you are. And he said, I listen to the podcast, love the podcast. Anthony, if you are listening, can you please give us a review? I think, yes. I, I'm, I think I'm the only one on the Apple Podcast who's got a review and it's one star. Help me out, brother. I know, we need a review. And also, if you are listening, make sure you get Honan Insurance, Honan Insurance Brokers. And while you're at it, why don't you wear black sheep as worn by Hollywood yesterday? Black sheep. And then if you want to be a millionaire like Michael Tomolaris, where do you go to, Mark? You go to uh, Orwood's Minette Financial Wealth Management Group. They're looking after my financial management. I'm at an age where I need my finances looked after. Just tell, this is a serious question. Yes. Someone asked me how you spell it because I wanted to look Ords. it up. How do you spell it? O-R-D-S, Ords, Minette, M-I-N-N-E-T-T. They're global. They're huge. They're massive. And they're our sponsors, so we're very proud. Thank you, guys. Our guest. Let's introduce our very special guest, Tills. In fact, you can do the honours. <laughs> Um, look, I'm going to have to refer to a few uh, sources here because uh, the, I could, this could go any which way of high performance uh, and I'm a little bit cooked. But our guest is, I oh, know, I won't do it, Tom, I'll, I'll cut it down, cut it down. But of course, I'm going to go straight to um, who she is, Chloe Hosking from Canberra. But Chloe, I think what, what what's actually throwing me about Chloe at the moment is one, just how bloody nice she is. When I used to race her, she was terrifying. The way she raced, as because she was a winner. She was a Com, Com Games gold medalist. Um, she won La Course by La Tour de France, that, which was, yeah, I can still see that. It actually it inspired me to get into cycling. Um, she's won the Great Ocean Road Race. Yeah, yeah, it, the list goes on. However, and she, because she was a sprinter, she was a winner. She was, um, you know, really aggressive on the bike course. Now, I see her. I went down to the local crits uh, the last few days. Any new cyclist, any new, um, particularly females who are getting into riding or they're coming, you know, they might get dropped or uh, they're struggling or just Chloe can, she sniffs them out. I've seen her go up to so many women, introduce herself, give advice. It's just absolutely like we, we see it, Chloe. And I think, I think people forget how much of a champion you are because you're now so accessible. And aside from that, you're a lawyer. Soon to, be. Soon to be, and the founder and owner of a bike brand, which is absolutely, uh, there's only about five people in the world you can say that about, and they're definitely not female. Congratulations. Well, that's all we have time for. Thanks for joining us, Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm turning up. Thank you for coming out. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> no, happy to be back. And Chloe, what Tatchell's uh, didn't mention was the fact that you drove across from Canberra to Adelaide in a motorhome. Sure did. Uh, borrowed it from my parents. So uh, I think it's a joke though. That one. <laughs> uh, a, to be honest, a canoe, so a canal, so something like this. We'll, we'll have to ask mum and dad. Uh, loaded all our bikes in, all our Hosking bikes, and um, yeah, drove across the Hay Plain. Yeah, I'll be honest, my husband drove. So. <laughs> <laughs> now listen, you did the gravel event today, the inaugural gravel, Rattle Gravel. Uh, Hollywood just uh, moved aside for one moment. He doesn't like gravel. You're a hippie, according to him. And so is Tills. Tell us about your experience today. Yes, I think um, Matilda and I have very different experiences. So um, Matilda raced oh. and I rode. Um, but I really enjoyed it, even though I decked it. Um, and so now I'm officially a gravel rider. Um, I think I can tick that box. Uh, yeah, did a face plant as slid along some gravel, just a little bit of road rash, got some gravel scrubbed out of my elbow, which was, uh, you know, always enjoyable. 
Uh, no, but I really enjoyed it. It was a stunning course, a lot of climbing, um, so a bit like Matilda, even though it's a bit like Gruppetto. People always thought that Gruppetto, when you were racing, was super chilled out, but actually we were really struggling to hit time cut. Uh, so Matilda was racing and I was riding and it was still a hard day. <laughs> you said you had a crash. Was it as bad as Matilda's as far as embarrassment stakes of riding into it? I can't pronounce his name, the racing car driver. I heard Matilda crash the racing car driver. Is that true, Matilda Reynolds? 5k to go. We're, we're chasing down the other group of women. I'm on Valtteri Bottas's uh, wheel, who is a professional F1 driver. Gets paid about $50 million to ride, drive a car. And I thought, um, mate, I'm going to have to take... Um, uh, I'll take his line, because if anyone knows lines, it'll be him. And uh, he thought he'd take on the tree branch, and he lost. And uh, so I rode over his bike and also came down the set. But yeah, it so took me a while. Mate, I tried to Walt Barnard uh, the uh, remount, and it, it was no good. It was no good. And so uh, there's not many people that have crashed into Volti Valdas who aren't F1 drivers. I'll claim that. No, well, that's her brush with fame. She'll remember that moment forever. You spoke to the winner immediately after the race, the women's winner, Brody Chapman. Let's have a listen. All right, here with Brody Chapman, little Trek rider, and uh, winner of today's Rattle Gravel. Brody, how was it? It was hard all day, hard all day from the start, and uh, it was a really deep women's field, and it really came down to the line in the end. So uh, yeah, it was a hard day out, and a, and a really awesome event, like uh, just proper proper good gravel racing, you know. How did it play out in the end? Like, were you already off the front or did it come back together with any of the other girls or you had a good group? How did it roll there in the last few K? Oh, well, so from the start, it started hard and I actually was in a group of guys. I think I was ahead of all the other girls. And it was really hard, to be honest. And then I got dropped from that group and I had a, a little group of guys I was rolling with and I dropped my chain and I'm not skilled enough to put it on while riding. So I stopped, put it back on, and then I was just flapping in the wind by myself for ages and then yeah another group came across with all the top elite women which you know had I stayed in that front group maybe I would have got dropped anyway not the front front group the front group that I was in <laughs> you know what I mean anyway then the girls came across and they were all riding really strong and you know it, it really seemed like none of us were gonna actually get dropped near the end and uh, I dropped into the single track first I actually took it pretty easy because I didn't want to um, you know ruin my race trying to get too cocky on the single track but uh, then we exited the single track, just Nicole, Fran and I together, and Heidi Franz was not far behind. So we tried to push a little bit together, but honestly, she was really putting me to the sword. I was finding it hard to roll through. Um, but then it was a headwind sprint, and I had my uh, sports director, Ina's voice in my head saying, wait, 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 wait. It's a headwind. Go late. So, um, yeah, then I just I sprinted. But I, I didn't post up because there was this, this guy sprinting with us too, and I thought it was, <laughs> it was Nicole. I was like, ah! Um, but yeah, it was really hard. Like I was questioning my life choices for sure the whole day until the moment that I stopped. <laughs> Mate, it was so good to see you out here. You're one of the only uh, World Tour riders here. How did were Trek encouraging, or were they hesitant for you to have a go today? Does the win help? And you don't have to share the prize money, I imagine. Oh yeah. Oh, I forgot about prize money. Um, oh, I think they were like as long as it, it fitted well and I'd rested enough after the tour down under, they were happy for me to do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I raced a crit last night and I definitely had some mild regrets doing that when I was heading up that hill this morning. But yeah, we have Heidi Franz who also races in the World Tour and Nicole Frayne and 
yeah, there's some really strong women out there. So I think the field's just going to get harder and harder. And, of course, Tiffany Cromwell. I mean, she designed this course and she's been busy all week making sure the event runs smoothly. So, um, yeah, it's awesome. And so moving uh, back onto the road, you were second in the uh, national time trial uh, in, in around uh, Bunningyong earlier, a few weeks ago. Um, how's your time trial coming along? Is, it, is that something you want to focus on in the future? Yeah, I've been focusing on the time trial mostly in my uh, summer, summer, winter, summer training um, because I really wanted to perform well at the Nationals time trial. And, like, yeah, I, was, I surprised myself with how close I got to grace. I definitely made a few, few kind of technical errors, um, but that's, that's what happens on the day, you know, you live and you learn. And so I hope that I can improve in that area for sure and I definitely will keep working on the... Yeah, what, what Do you think you can be the, take the second spot for the Olympics? I hope so. That's the goal. <laughs> and so what, what now, mate? You go, you go to Cadell's and then where do you go to after that? What does is, what is the rest of the season hold? Yeah, so Cadell's, love that race. Lots of fun. Um, we're going to do a crit there. Hopefully you're racing. We love a bit of crit pigging. Um, and then I'm going to back to Brisbane for like a few days and see my family, you know, hang out in the rock pools and then I'm going to head straight back to Europe, back to Andorra. And, uh, yeah, my first race back should be uh, Valencia in Spain. Um, so, yeah, hopefully I have a, I'll have a bit of a rest after this for sure, though. Yeah, it's been a really big month and, you, you know, you, you're travelling a lot and it's really hot, so you really need to take some time to rest before the, the real kind of season kicks off. Well, Broads, you were the national champion last year and um, one of the strong, if not the strongest rider out of the Australians, but you had a lot of bad luck just with crashes and sickness uh, this past year. We just wish you all the best for this coming season and hope you can ride to the potential we all know that you have and we're cheering on. Thanks so much. Yeah, everyone has those years and I didn't quite get back on top of it. But, um, yeah, I was real happy. Trek was uh, extremely supportive. So we'll, we'll take this year as a completely new year and do our best. You. Great interview there, Tills, with Brody. Such a nice woman. Uh, such a, a great competitor. Um, how did she do it? Yeah, I think um, I, it was just really good to see Brody there. She was, you hear in my interview, <clears throat> excuse me, I've still got uh, gravel and dust in my throat. <laughs> um, that that uh, you hear, uh, yeah, Brody was, I, I said she's the only world tour rider that was there. There were, were some other professionals there, but they are of the Conti level. Um, and I think it's in Brody's wheelhouse. She loves that and she has. A great support network down here, and uh, look, I saw it. the first climb was just absolutely brutal. Straight out of the gate, three kilometres. It's it's on the back end of Wollonga, and uh, yeah, it was a very difficult climb. But she just took it in a stride and went all day. And the other thing with gravel is it, it's a mass start. You race with the men, so she got in a great men's group. And um, but really, she couldn't do anything wrong. And I think the thing is, um, yeah, as I mentioned in that interview, Brody had a tough year last year. She is one of the people's champs. We just really want to see her do well um, this coming year for Trek Little. So she's taking the title from Hollywood, has she? The people's champ. Well, there's a few out there, but uh, <laughs> she is one of popularity. But seriously, is this event here, here to start? Oh, absolutely. It, it, I think it didn't have huge numbers this year. They tried to cap it just as a test run. What will be interesting, whether they keep it as a part of TDU or not, I think they should, just because the people are here. It's it's a it's a lot for people to travel to Adelaide just for that gravel event, but people do. So this is part of a series. It's part of the steamboat one that I did in Colorado and another one in Finland. So which Chloe did actually, uh, and so you know it's got big backing behind it, and um, yeah, it's absolutely here to stay. 
Chloe, I bumped into you by sheer accident yesterday uh, on a ride in the morning ride in the mor on a morning ride, and I noticed the Hosking brand on a red frame on a bicycle. Your name, I've never seen such a scenario before. Tell us about it. Yes, uh, a few people have come up to me and said, "How do you go about getting a, your name on on a bike?" And I say, "You want a bike brand?" Um, so I retired from competitive world tour racing in really in February, and um, quite quickly, my husband and I um, recognized that there was a real gap in the market and a need for for a bike brand that was you know, driven by a woman. Uh, the cycling industry is, right now the narrative is, is driven by men and that, that does a disservice to the female stakeholders. So um, we want to, we have a really clear purpose, which is firstly to um, get more women on bikes and secondly to bring world-class bikes to people at an affordable um, price rate, which currently uh, is pretty hard to do. Well, the names of uh, Cipollini, Merckx, Boardman, they've all got uh, names on their bicycles, or they've got brand names, and they're ex-champions. So you're rubbing shoulders with the best in the world, aren't you? Um, I, I hope to be, for sure. I'm really, really proud of the bikes that we've worked hard to, to design and then bring to market. Um, these are, I, I genuinely believe that they are world-class bikes. I rode yesterday in the UCI uh, women's tour down under Chris and my bike held it with um, you know the world tour pros bikes that were out there and it so yesterday it was a bit of a proud moment for me uh, we became the first female founded bike brand to race uh, in the professional public. and that was in the uh, criterium around Victoria Park the last night Tell, tell me something with your bike brand. Is it like, you know how like with Wib, it's a female-only bike. Is Husky female-only or do you do male bikes as well? No, it's, it's unisex. It's unisex, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. where we do, we offer sizes that are like compatible to women. Yeah. Um, which a lot of bike brands are actually moving away from. Um, whereas we will always offer bike frames that fit women. And I think it's, um, you see that in the industry that a lot of women are actually probably on bikes that are too big for them. Um, because that's what's available. Uh, so while well, Liv is, a, is an offshoot of Giant, yes, yes. Um, Hosking Bikes is me. An offshoot of Chloe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Chloe, tell us about the, uh, the talent that's out there right now. The Women's Tour Down Under uh, was an incredible race, won by Sarah Giganti. Uh, what are your thoughts on the way female cyclists are being developed in 2024? Um, the sport's getting more and more professional. Um, you know, 19-year-olds are getting salaries that are $100,000, $150,000. They're able to race professionally from the get-go, which then has a huge impact on how quick their development is. And I think that what is really exciting and what we saw at the Tour Down Under is the changing of the guard in Australian cycling. You saw Sarah Gigante just Boss, uh, Lunga, I, I had to think about the name, I tend to avoid hills. Um, but you know, I, I, what I was really impressed with, with Sarah was her, just her acceleration on the climb, it was incredible. And then um, also Neve Bradbury uh, coming in in third, like that you've got two Aussies finishing on the podium of the world to a uh, uh, general classification and they're young. 
I think the winners were born in all 2000. So, so Sarah's born in 2000. Uh, uh, Ninka, she's a Dutch girl, she's born in 2003 or 2004 and me was born in 2003. So uh, there's a young generation coming through and I think it um, goes to show why, as they're being able to just focus on cycling from the beginning, uh, it's professionalizing earlier and earlier. Where I'm concerned is about the longevity of their careers, if they've got this enormous amount of pressure on them and you saw uh, what I thought was an incredible post-race interview from Sarah Gigante, but at the same time, like, quite frankly, heartbreaking, that she said that somebody, people thought she was 23 and washed up. Like, how do we get to this point in our sport where 23-year-olds are no longer getting important chances? Um, and so I'm so thrilled to see Sarah join a team that genuinely believes in her, and um, she's an interesting type. Are they saying the same thing about their male equivalents? Pogacha, all these guys who are in their early to mid twenties, are they washed up as well? Well, I mean, he's still winning. Um, That's exactly places, right. So yeah, and, and uh, I, it does. I have genuine concerns about the people in the the team environments, the international federations, the national federations, and how they necessarily manage athlete welfare. Um, uh, at some points, you do feel like riders are seen as racehorses rather than humans, and that's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel about that? Oh, actually, I, I, I more just commend Chloe because, uh, you know, I've said this before when we played Chloe on, but it just, it, um, it floors me how she exited the sport so badly uh, and mistreated in her contract with B&B Hotels and it finished abruptly for her to turn around and try to lift others up and, and, and provide as a voice for cycling. But I'm actually, Chloe, would you ever consider being a more professional voice for cycling you, you, you always have really strong opinions um like a a, a cpa or, or what adam hansen is doing i've got to say we did speak to adam but like when you go onto the cpa website i don't think the women's section's been um updated since 2020 like two like it's it's pretty outdated and i do wonder whether yeah is there an opportunity there for you to have more of a say on the welfare of cycling yeah, no, I mean, I am now, in May, I'll be admitted to practice as a lawyer, and my focus is really on sports law, players' rights, players' advocacy. Um, I think that there's, a, cycling calls itself a professional sport, but for the athletes, it's still very much at an amateur level. If you look at some of the major player unions in the world, they get a lot more out for their athletes to the point where they're setting them up for life after cycling, and cycling is not doing that for their riders right now. Um, I, gen I, I won't shy away from it. I do have ambitions to go into the governance administration side of cycling, whether that's with a, a national body, an international body, or a players' union, absolutely. You're saying that the riders are professional, and they are. They're at the top of their game, like uh, tennis players, footballers, you name it. And what you're actually revealing is that the administrators are the ones who are letting the whole sport down. Hollywood? No. Sorry, can I just jump okay, in? Okay, sorry. Yeah, I like absolutely. That's the riders do everything to get themselves prepared as possible. They need people on the other side of the sport to fight for them when they can't fight for themselves. And the, you know, this means setting them up for life after sport. You're thinking about uh, injury compensation, uh, compensation for concussions, these sorts of things. Also, like how are you protecting your data rights? That should belong to you. 
there's a, there's a whole host of things that are not being considered for riders, uh, which is that ultimately disadvantaged. And I do think that um, while there's a lot of goodwill in cycling, the people that are involved in, in many of the organisations, that in some circumstances, goodwill is a net with the required expertise. Okay. Well, we had you on, uh, what, a few months ago, and uh, uh, your appearance on the domestiques, I think, brought a lot of discussion from our listeners. Hollywood? Yes, definitely. Yes, I, I thought you had something to say. No, no, I do, I do, but no, it wasn't, it wasn't about that. I was, sorry about that. I was, thought you were leading me into something that I noticed uh, they had their track match the other week, uh, this week on the, uh, on the Australian team's track bike. And I noticed on Scott McGorry's post, he posted a picture of the track bike. And it's got Indigenous paint on it. And I noticed your comment said, does the Indigenous paint also come with the reconciliation action plan? someone who's not that smart like me, what, what did that actually mean? I wasn't sure. Yeah, so I think that, um, you know, last year Australia had a really pivotal point um, when we voted no to a referendum. Um, and, but where this stems from is in 2022, leading into the Wollongong World Championships, uh, Cycling released a new national kit. It's a stunning kit. It's got beautiful Indigenous artwork. And when they announced that, they said it's for sale and a reconciliation action plan will follow. And what a reconciliation action plan is, is a commitment from an organisation of how they can uh, incorporate the Indigenous community into their organisation and really acknowledge where they can give back to that community. Um, It's now January 2024. Uh, we've been selling that kit since September 2022 and we still don't have a reconciliation action plan. Um, and for me, it's it's pretty unacceptable. I feel like we've got this beautiful artwork on these bikes that will go to the Olympic Games representing our country, but we've, we've missed a pivotal step to this point. So you're basically saying it's just lip service. Yes. Yeah, it just makes it sickness. Yeah, and I think that, that, you know, cycling is a a very exclusive sport. There's super high barriers to entry, and there are definitely uh, things that uh, the Australian cycling community and all cycling can be doing to be trying to bring more people into our sport that might not necessarily have access to it, and right now that's not being done. Uh, switching gears, Chloe, uh, I do wonder whether this year is the year that we see a offshoot of um, in cycling, that we see some form of potential rebellion uh, in cycling. There is discussion around one cycling uh, and the UAE's investment potentially of having a um, something that's separate to the UCI and the ASO. Uh, we've seen that, I guess the most relevant one is probably Luke Bolt is the, is the one that we can refer to where this has happened. It's happened well before that, even in the Australian sporting history with uh, Kerry Packer in the uh, cricket uh, and the uh, NRL when they created the Super League. So there's the potential for that. And then we're also seeing another one, which is a new potential track league, um, which is set, which has been created by an Australian arm. I think Matt Wilson's involved, the, uh, an ambassador for Black Sheep Cycling and, and, and the head of AR, um, ACA, the cycling team. Uh, we're seeing 
potential sort of build up and rebellion of this. And I've already seen, I think Hollywood, when that track um, cop was uh, potentially announced, UCI actually came out with a statement to remind everyone, uh, just randomly they came out with this statement that under your contracts, you are only contracted to ride UCI events. Yeah, so what you're referring to, they're sort of locally known as breakaway leagues, and there's actually two happening in cycling at the moment. There's one cycling, which has been sort of got leaked to the media um, late last year, um, and who's behind that is Richard Kluge, I think is his name, and he's with uh, Isma Lisa Bike. Uh, he's also the president of the Teams Union. Um, which is interesting. And then the Australian track uh, competition that you're speaking about is uh, Derby Wheels, and they have spoken about launching uh, uh, events that are, do involve betting, which is a touchy subject in sport, in, I think, in the UK, Japan, and Australia. Um, the... Sorry, Chloe, because it's huge in Asia. Yeah. That is where they do it, and it's um, enormous. Yeah. I imagine where that's going from. So, for sure, I think it's definitely come from Japan and they're trying to expand out. Um, what is interesting is that the day no, the day after the UCI released their statement stating that the Derby wheel was a prohibited event, uh, on the next day the European Court of Justice was releasing three major decisions that all had to do with sports um, essentially administration. So a couple of years ago, the European Super League, which is a football um, breakaway league, launched. Uh, there were something like 16 teams. By the time it got to the uh, European Court of Justice, there were only two or three teams left, all Spanish. Um, many of them had pulled out, but what essentially those uh, cases said was uh, international sporting bodies can prevent breakaway leagues, but they need to make sure that they have very transparent and um, objective criteria and rules and regulations that people can follow. And uh, so where these breakaway leagues in cycling may have a leg to stand on is going to the UCI regulations and saying, there's nothing clear here. Um, is there, are you making a discretionary decision? In which case, we can't. We should be able to do this. We should be able to have our breakaway league. And then, uh, what is also interesting is with the Derby Wheel, uh, they did say essentially what, exactly what you said. You're under contract. We will sanction you. There was another case which also came down the day after they announced their press release, which was around sanctions and them needing to be proportionate. If you're going to ban a bunch of track athletes for six months leading into an Olympics where a lot of track athletes don't earn a lot of money, the major place where they get any sort of commercial gain is by performing well at the Olympics. You could, an argument could easily be mounted to say that that sanction is not proportionate and that the UCI is is um, acting like outside EU law. So I think that um, I'm actually really thrilled to be at this point in my career about to finish my law degree and be admitted to practice because sport and sports law in cycling right now is such a underdeveloped space with so much room to grow and um, I can't wait to uh, yeah just 
Sue somebody. No, I'm kidding. No, yeah, but just to clarify those sanctions, Polly, just because I always try to think of my mum listening and not knowing what you're talking about, is that, is that um, what the UCI could do is actually say, you went and did that race, you cannot race the Tour de France. Yeah, yeah, or, wow. or so for example, particularly in the track league, they can say because uh, to be to qualify for the Olympics, you need to be under your international federation. Uh, they can say you can't race the Olympics. So you could, it, I think it's a very easy argument to make that it's not proportionate. And then when you, if you go back to the one cycling by Richard Fluke, there's issues there in that um, if the UCI does then go on to ban the riders and the teams from competing in events. Riders would possibly be able to counter sue um, the, the teams by saying, you've breached my contract because I can no longer compete and earn a living. Chloe, love your passion. Keep the fight going because we need people like you. The sport needs people like you. And I can't wait for you to qualify in May as well. Uh, let's just quickly talk about today's stage very quickly. Another day, another victory there for Sam Wellsford. He's on fire, Hollywood, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was, he was just a beast. He's just operating on a different level at the moment. He's just, at the moment, just better than every yeah, other sprint. But, but it's all going to change this weekend. We're going into the final weekend of racing at the Tour Down Under. Two summit finishes, Wollonga on Saturday, and you've got the Mount Lofty finish on Sunday. The race will be turned on its head, surely. I definitely like Yeah, it, this is showtime now. This is where the bangs go up Wollonga tomorrow and bangs up Mount Lofty on Sundays. This is where the action starts. They've had to wait a long time though, haven't they? Yeah. They've, they've, they've waited since Tuesday and uh, and yeah, it's now the weekend. So they've done well. I, it'd be interesting. Just ha it's going to be very close though. So we only have two stages, twice up Wollonga tomorrow. But I love that they've got Mount Lofty. I think I've said already what I would have changed for women's race is potentially had the longer second stage because if you had that Sterling stage third, it would have gone off. Like everyone would have thrown the kitchen sink at it. So I think that Mount Lockie stage, if they're going to leave it all out there. It, you know, who, um, who's your favourite quote for, for the men? Well, we haven't heard from Simon Yates or any of the big guns, the climbers. Simon, all these guys have been saving their legs for, yeah. this, for these last two days, surely. It's, it's going to be... It's going to be the Yates and Harper show, but let's go to Chloe to get her opinion. I mean, I would have said Lucas Black, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, um, oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. My gravel rash is happening to me. Oh, that's what I was thinking. I was just like... But that's the that's the bar now is the is the Luke Luke Platt crash and we and we give our thoughts to Luke as well. Just before we go, Chloe, um, what's the fishing with the bike brand and uh, you know you're on here you're giving us our time at least to give a plug. Where can we buy the bike? Yeah, so we're on the market. You can buy us. We're um, hoskinbikes.com is the easiest place to find us, and we are partnering with um, local bike shops. We're we're really trying to selectively choose shops that really. Uh, give back to their communities and, and help to encourage to get more people on bikes and that is in the end of the day what Hosting Bikes is about. Uh, so please do check us out, hostingbikes.com. We just uh, last week launched a find your hosting tool uh, with the recognition that not everybody comes to cycling with the same knowledge base and we want to try and make it as easy as possible to get as many people as people as possible. For everybody, male and female? Male and female, Good. yes. Good. Uh, Mike's a tight ass, so is there a discount code you can give me? <laughs> well, 
I keep telling you I'm financially secure, oh, uh, uh, so I don't spend any money. Mike <laughs> will not find a bike on the market priced as well as our SRAM Red SRAM Rivals. <laughs> Chloe, we're going to have you back on uh, several occasions, I think, because the political side of cycling is ongoing, and uh, you can update us on the domestics anytime you want. Please. You're always welcome. No, I would absolutely love to come back, and um, you know, when when um, yeah. asks me what my what my ambitions are for the future, you know, I I would love to make a run for the cycling board. So um, oh, round yeah. of applause! Uh, yeah. Round of applause! Everybody in the hill, round of applause! I actually rode with the uh, board chair today, actually, the president of the league. Yeah. If you're listening, no. So I'm I'm really investing a lot of time to speak to clubs, to speak to all different cycling stakeholders around Australia to find out what they want and the strategy that we can employ to move our organisation into a much more uh, healthy space into the future. Yeah. And so I would love to chat to you guys about that when we have the time. Vote Chloe Vote one, Chloe. Well, thanks for joining us on the John Mistakes. Thank you to the Hilton. Uh, it's been wonderful. Wonderful for me. Definitely. And he, he does want a discount code. <laughs> um, Bye-bye. A big thanks to Honan, Black Sheep and Audmanette for having I'm us Black here. Black Sheep. Love you guys. Thanks, Bye. Chloe. The Domestics by Black Sheep Sideman.